0: it is good to be with y'all always good to gather to celebrate uh the love of jesus but we got a special day day today lots going on we're going to formally welcome steve and Hannah and ellie huggins he joined staff absolutely he began this week as uh, one of the pastors here we're going to celebrate our high school graduates you saw some young folks up here they're gonna play a song for us near the end. I heard them playing, uh, you are gonna like it. And uh, we're gonna listen to, the, the, to them. And we got a picnic out there. They got some people being dunked and there is food and uh, we, are gonna have, we are gonna have a good day. Now, if I told you that over at the picnic we were gonna have bread and water, I presume that most of you would be a little disappointed. In our vernacular, when we talk about, hey, bread and water, that's not great that's like a minimal expression of, of sustenance for us but we're going to look at two texts today one about bread and one about water and they're linked and in what john wants us to see is the grace of christ what he wants us to see is the generosity of jesus He's going to talk about bread and water, but when we look at these texts, what John wants us to have is this confidence that Jesus is committed to taking care of our our daily, our temporal needs. But he finds even greater joy. What's even more important to him is providing for our spiritual needs. The message is that God loves us. Jesus loves us. And he wants to take care of us. He wants to provide for us. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd was following him because they saw signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, You know, there is a boy here, though, who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, and so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up leftover fragments that nothing may be lost so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Father, for most of us, this is a familiar story. Most of us could tell this story. But my prayer is that you would keep me true to your intent in inspiring John to write about these events. It is my conviction that Jesus fed over 5,000 people to encourage us here today. So I pray that you would do through your spirit what, what I can't do, which is again, touch our minds and our hearts with the truth of how much you love us, Father. May we leave here celebrating your love. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus meets practical needs. He gives us food. Now, I understand you go to the grocery store, you pay it paycheck, and at the end of this, though, it's God providing. Here's what, what, what John wants us to see as he records this. Jesus delights in meeting our temporal needs. It makes him happy. Now, five thousand men—we don't know how many folks were there, but well in excess, likely of five thousand—and they were hungry. They were following Jesus. Nobody thought about where are we going to get food. You know, there wasn't a McDonald's on the corner. There wasn't a Subway. You just couldn't take out your phone. And it, 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 but they're excited about Jesus, and yet they're hungry. Now, Jesus, he wants them and us to see God cares about our practical needs. Now, he does it in a way, and this is the tension we've been talking about as we've gone through John, though that points to his spiritual satisfaction. So he gives them food, and it makes them happy, and he does this miracle. But it's because he cares for their practical needs as he cares for ours. And Jesus finds pleasure in providing more than we need. Now, if you read the text, John says, they all had all they want. They had more than their fill. And then there were 12 baskets. Why not two baskets? Why not seven? Why not 50? Jesus is trying to reach all the folks there. But he's got 12 in mind that he's going to, after he departs here, that he wants them to take with them this conviction and belief that God provides. So how many baskets? 12. Each one of those guys, after he'd eaten his fill, had a basket still full of food. I think it's Jesus' way of saying to them, I'm going to take care of everybody. I'm going to provide for their needs, whatever it be. And I delight in giving you even more than you need. Now, the challenge is this is hard to believe. I could put up there a gazillion texts where Jesus says, trust in me, I take care of the sparrow. I know the hairs on your head. For some of us, big deal. That's not that great. But for some of you, that's pretty impressive. You heard there's inflation in our country? I was looking at some of the figures here for what it costs the average family now, how much more it costs to live. Jesus just wants us to trust that he's going to provide for us. Our anxiety, our concern, when things get tense, that's probably evidence that we're not Trusting in him as much as we could. It's really easy to say Jesus is going to provide for all our needs. You heard me say it. The question is when things get tight, when things don't quite go our way, when the economy is not what we'd hoped it would be, and it has very direct implications for us. It's nothing new. If you read the account that we're looking at today from the Gospel of Mark, I love these knuckleheads that we call the disciples because it reminds me this trusting God is not always that easy. If you go back to Mark, you get to Mark chapter 6, you have the account that we just read about him feeding 5,000. You get to chapter 8, you got him feeding another 4,000. Now, I'm going to read a few verses here. Here's what happens. He's just fed over 5,000, 5,000 men, and then 4,000 people. So who knows how many in the first, how many in the second. And then he gets in the boat with the disciples who have been watching him do these miracles. And he only has one loaf of bread. Five loaves, two fish. He feeds over 5,000 people, then four, and they get in the boat. What are we going to do? It's the 12 of us with Jesus, and we only have one loaf of bread. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? They had one, one loaf. You do not yet perceive or understand. Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for 5,000? And how many baskets full of uh, of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? So, if there are times, here's the way, the positive way to look at it, here's the way I prefer to look at it. When I get challenged to doubt whether God's going to provide for those practical needs, so do the disciples. Yet that's what this is about. He wants to take care of our needs. The challenge for Jesus, and we've talked about this, and we're going to deal with it as we go through it. For Jesus, the challenge is when he starts to do these miracles, he's doing that to testify ultimately that he cares about their spiritual needs by meeting their practical needs. But they get more excited about the practical needs. They get more excited about the stuff than they do the spiritual stuff. So he's always walking this tightrope trying to tell him I'm here to help you and I care about your temporal needs but I care more about your spiritual needs. It doesn't feel like to me that's any less of a challenge today than it was then. I'm going to actually suggest to you given God's extraordinary benevolence and grace to us in the material realm it's harder for us. I don't think the disciples could have even imagined what it was like to live in an air-conditioned home with a toilet and a big-screen TV. I'm grateful for how, God, how good God's been to us. Don't misunderstand me. But I think the temptation to get caught up in this material stuff is even greater because we just have, relatively speaking... Uh, to the world back then and to most of the world today, so stinking much. He's been extraordinarily generous. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, they looked at a political military king. They're going to take rule over Roman and we're going to rule the earth. They didn't get yet. It was a spiritual kingdom he was coming to build right now. They saw the material stuff. They saw him healing. Who's going to stop him? Not the emperor of Rome. We are going to rule the world. He's trying to demonstrate. I'm going to meet your practical needs so that you'll believe I'll meet your spiritual. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, they thought the king they wanted. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Now, this is part of the text that we're going to look at next week. This stuff is all written together in John's mind, but I want you to notice. We'll pull this apart next week. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, uh, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. They saw signs. They didn't get the meaning of the signs, the spiritual part. They were fascinated by the miracles, but because you ate your fill of loaves, you're still following me because you were hungry and I filled your belly. You're not seeing the ultimate point that goes beyond my meeting your temporal needs. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, what must we do to be doing The works of God so Jesus brings bread to 5,000 to help us believe that he wants to take care of our practical needs food clothing housing he wants to take care of those things but more importantly to point to the truth that he is our spiritual bread and we're going to deal with that next week when Jesus says I am the bread of life feeds 5,000 with bread ultimately to point to the truth that he's the bread of life. Now, I want you to look at this. 6, verses 1 to 15, Jesus gives bread to 5,000 people. That's what we're looking at right now. Next week, we're going to jump to six twenty-two to 59, Jesus is the bread of life. Now, I'm going to tell you, I think it would be greater, better if you just put those two passages together. We go from 5,000 getting bread to Jesus is the bread of life. How many of you does that make sense to? But I'm going to tell you, in the middle of that, Jesus walks on the water. If you go from verse 15 to 22, oh, it's seamless. Now, don't misunderstand me because I actually believe God inspired John to write this, and he's got a big point. So why does John insert walking on the water here? Jesus provided food when they were hungry. Food is great. Got my bread, but now I'm in a storm. What good is Jesus now? What am I going to do now? Sure, I'm full, but now I'm in a boat. There's a storm, and Jesus isn't even here. If he was so great, he should have been here. What do I do when I'm getting enough food? When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them, and the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. If you look at this account and the other gospel accounts, they all emphasize the storm and the magnitude of the storm. Verse 19 And when they had rowed about three or four miles, so you've been rowing for quite a few hours in a storm. Uh, when they had rode about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. From the storm, from now, Jesus. And the other gospel writers go into more detail. But he said to them, and here's the key words that connect the bread text from, from, from 5,000 to I am the bread of life. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then they were glad to take him into the boat. They were frightened by the storm. They were frightened by Jesus. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Jesus wants to meet our practical needs. He wants to give us bread, and he's with us in the storms of life. Next week, we're going to pull. what does it mean when he says, I'm the bread of the life. Because we talk as evangelicals, have you heard that faith is about a relationship with Jesus? You've heard that? It still feels to me like most of us are finding it somewhat challenging to figure out what that means. That his presence is actually the key. still feels like to me, we just want him to calm the storm and give us food. Which again, there's never been a people in the history of the world where he's been more generous in that regard than to us. Nobody. We live here in California. I remember we were planning a party like this when I first arrived here and we were gonna do it in November. Now I lived in Minnesota and Seattle. And I remember that one of the people that was helping me said, oh, we can't do it in November. The weather here could be volatile. I still remember that word. This is about 17 years ago. Volatile in Southern California. Jesus comes to and is welcomed into the boat. They're thrilled that he's there. John just tells us he got to the other shore quickly. The other gospel writers will tell us the storm was calm. But what was the key for the disciples? They're getting a growing picture of who this Jesus is, and he says, it is I. Do not be afraid. And they let him in the boat. Jesus' presence is the key to our enjoying life. We're going to pull it apart next week even more. What does that mean for us very practically? What does it mean to have a connection with Jesus? Providing for all our needs, but the deepest meaning comes from being connected with him. So here's what I'm going to suggest to you all. Take a second, and what's the greatest challenge you're facing right now? Maybe there's some practical needs that you're wrestling with. Maybe finance is cra- given this crazy economy. Right now for you, they're tough. We've been through COVID. You're still fighting through the implications financially of what COVID brought. Emotionally. Maybe you can't even explain it, but you're just having a hard time getting through a discouraging period. Maybe even slightly Depressing. You got relationship challenges. Something in the family with your kids, with your parents. I was talking to somebody who has an elderly parent and the challenges just before the service. Oh my. Complicated. Complicating their life. Trying to lovingly take care of somebody that gave them life. It gets nuts. Maybe it's your marriage, just not where you'd like it to be. Maybe it's a friend at work. But what's that storm? Here's I think where I'll encourage you to start. Let Jesus in the boat. I don't know about you. It's better for me at this age than it was early in my life but I used to like to let Jesus in the boat after I'd tried everything I could and I got really discouraged, really frustrated, and really depressed. I think we let him in the boat a little earlier. It gets better. Finding that connection with him. And then this is the one that is so easy to say. And just trust him with it. does come back to believing that he cares and believing that he has the power to change this stuff. Most important thing is our spiritual life, but he cares about all this other stuff too. He just loves us. Then thank Jesus. I'm going to encourage you to just spend a few minutes this afternoon. And I don't know about you, but I love from Mark 8, Jesus' rebuke to the disciples, because I don't know about you, but it reminds me. Okay, you fed over 5,000, you fed over 4,000, but we still have a problem. You're here, but we just have one loaf of bread. Spend a few minutes and just jot down. You, you young people—that's for you, old people. You young people, take out your phone. Look back. Where have there been challenges? Where have there been storms? And where has He been faithful in your life? I look at how good God has been to us in so many ways. Most of you know I detached my retina a year and a half ago. Didn't go to the doctor right away. It was severe. I have 20, 20 visions in that eye. Thank you, Jesus. Thank my doctor, but mostly Jesus. I'd be blind in one eye if I'd been born over, if this had happened 50 or more years ago. How good is God to us? Yeah. Remember those times in your life and then just thank him. My prayer is always, Lord, help me to trust more because in this I need your help. You've been more than faithful, and yet I see these challenges and I still could trust more. I am convinced He wants to answer that prayer. Father, you love us. You have been so good to us, you have been so generous. You have manifest your love in countless ways. The greatest, of course, is Jesus going to the cross and dying on our behalf. In the midst of the challenges, whatever they be, our prayer is that you would help us to believe more thoroughly that there you are there with us, that you are helping us through this. Help us increasingly, Father, to find our confidence, our assurance, our joy in your presence. That's our prayer, Father. Just help us to get more connected to you. And even in this, Father, we need your help. But you love us. You love us. You love us. So help us to experience in a very real way the fullness of your love. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.